Shouldn't hold riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lyrically at. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap. It's like hand G rap at his prime. I'm young HO. Rap's great for dead. Welcome back to Miami Nice, the only podcast dedicated to the 2006 movie Miami Vice, plus whatever else we want to talk about. <laughs> We're cruising in the go fast boat. We're going to Cuba to get some mojitos. Got my bud right next to me, Blake Howard. Hello, Katie. Thank you for fixing my belt while you drive this <laughs> yes. sea penis off I, to a beautiful port. I don't want you to fly out. We're going like 80 <laughs> miles an hour. And we're so lucky today because we have another passenger in the go fast boat, a true icon. He is the critic at the atlantic and the host of the blank check pod we have mr david sims here welcome david oh, for wow. coming on to miami sims. nice hey hotties how you doing uh, long well, time coming long we've time been begging time. you to come on our show forever and we're here and you're here now the schedule's lined up you're here everything happens when it's supposed to happen so we're just very excited very happy and you, it's very early in australia and it's just after a live show for sims so it's gonna be loosey goosey casual <laughs> cool very casual <laughs> i mean you guys have been doing this basically since like the start of the pandemic right like early 2020 yeah. and you just kind of yeah, like you just kind of dip in and think right you just sort of dip in and think about this movie right you just ponder some new like i i i just sort of like the vibey approach that you take well um, we thank you so much. We also enjoy the vibey approach. We encourage our guests to just not prepare too much and bring their you know most unhinged takes. Yeah, it's 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 become this thing where it's, um, and it happened a few weeks ago. Katie Walsh coined like a a remix version of the train spotting line. Like she's like instead of choose life, it was choose vibes. And I feel like she like synthesized the whole feeling of this show. It's just like choose vibes. That's exactly what we're all about. Yeah, I really, I, I think that is the only way to move through life at this point. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, I, you just got to seek out, you know, the, the wavelengths and try to ride them as long as you can. <laughs> at least that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been fun. We just, it's relaxing. It's, you know, not stressful. We just are, you know, jumping in, talking about this movie. And we always like encourage lots of diversions as well. So whether yes. that's to LA for collateral or, you know, we've talked about so many different movies, the, just, we, you know, Miami Vice the, is merely the conduit. We talked to the soy boys quite a bit, David, which is the, uh, the black hat fans. <laughs> Um, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're, keep, we're keeping the soy boys. Why are they called soy boys? And I've seen Black Hat like four times. <laughs> what, what is that again? The soy futures. The, the soy, soy futures. Yeah, right. The soy futures okay. okay. We, we coined them the soy boys. I mean, look, you, you guys at Blank Check do heroic work with uh, nicknames and bits and stuff. And, and as soon as right. I, I can't remember, I think it must have been Katie. It was just like, we were just like, Man, these soy boys and the soy futures. And I was like, that's, I mean, they need a shirt. They need that a flag. So, funny. It's, uh, so we try and keep the soy yes. boys happy, but they are unhinged. And uh, even our friend, Bill they're Well, Bill is the best. And he was, when we did uh, Michael Mann on our podcast, he, he was the black hat guest. Um, 
the thing with Black Hat is I feel like we all I love Black Hat. I don't know where you guys are on Black Hat, but like we all had this moment when that disc was announced where we were like, finally, the director's cut. And then it was like, no, it's not the director's cut. Like that remains <laughs> bizarrely unavailable because of God knows why. I guess Black Hat's like owned by Disney now, you know, like, you know, who knows when this will we, ever be we, resolved. We we know we know what happened. We, we, and and maybe folks if this is the first time you've listened to Miami Nice, welcome. Uh Legendary Studios and Universal. Yes, it's legendary, right? That's it. That's it. it it's a co-production. And the international rights are Universal and legendary specifically i think is american theatrical or tv there's weird right shit that happens with some of these companies they carve off bits and so when, right. the, you, you, when you make money by selling off x rights and yeah exactly so when fx said that we're going to do black hat they kind of like worked with legendary to give man the money to have a play around with this cut that actually wasn't in some bits wasn't even like polished um and thanks to the right. wonderful ryan swen who we've had on the show made the Swen cut, and we made a Black Hat hacker cut basically out of the FX cut um, that we played around with. But basically now there's like a, like a, because Legendary has been passed around like one of those studios yeah. that's gone from like studio alignment to studio alignment. It just will never, I don't think it will ever be resolved like to have an well, okay. the American theatrical uh, director's cut so, to come onto an international release. But here's my take. Can I have my take? take it of course yeah, yeah this is why you're here that's you that's good that's good black hat needs to be something you have to download from some weird <laughs> file sharing program yes. to watch the proper version yeah. of it yeah like it's all part of the this magic is, this is a perfect take i love this take <laughs> I think that, yes, you have to DM Ryan on Twitter. Oh <laughs> Hopefully God. he'll send it to you. Or you right. have to come to one of our Black Hat Hacker Cut live stream streaming screenings, yeah, um, which we should do. We should do one like when that when that Blu-ray comes out. Yeah, on the list. Or 100%. whatever it is, UHD. I don't know. I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to like formats and things. I'm like... Well, Meg Shields, who's a really idea. terrific... Um, uh, right. Oh, she, Meg Shields is the best. She's so wonderful. And I remember. Absolute queen. And when Meg was talking to me one time, she was like, Blake, they can never release the keep on anything but VHS. She's like, I never want to hear about yes. it. I only, it's like the keep. I would agree. I don't, I don't want to see high definition anything. It needs to be on a VHS or like a really shitty DVD rip. And you put it in and it looks terrible, but it also looks magnificent. And you're like, that's the only format. Like if you, if it gets all cleaned up, it kind of loses the magic, the luster and the mystery of like this thing, this artifact that is so hard to come by. And so, yeah, that's why, you know, I, Meg, I completely agree. You guys seem to embrace tangents. So let me go on another one. Meg, she's a dear friend. I love her. Um, oh. Obviously she's Canadian. So I only ever see her at TIFF every year. I, I see Meg at TIFF. And uh, last year's Toronto Film Festival, I saw her like we got a drink in between. I was, you know, one of like four screenings. I was so hungry. And she gave me a bag of cookies that she had baked that were kind Aww. of all crumbly. And I just like like for the rest through for the next movie that I watch, I was just like munching on her cookies <laughs> uh, to keep myself going. Because at these film festivals, as Katie, I'm sure knows, you completely run out of steam. Um, oh, my God. I, if you, I think I, so I don't fondly know. of those cookies. Uh, Meg, you're a legend. Yes, one. that's cookies. like a true gift at a film festival. So, yeah. Like 
I don't ever <laughs> eat at those things. That's why I like don't go. I think I went to Sundance and ate like dried blueberries and hard boiled eggs for like four <laughs> days in a row. Like that was all I had and like popcorn and beer. Um, anyway, miserable experience. But that, yes, a true, a, a bag of homemade cookies at a film festival. I think someone gave one, gave me one of those at South by one year and that saved oh. my life. Um, but yeah, oh, I was going to say about the keep. I saw it on 35 millimeter at the new Beverly. Oh my lord. <laughs> oh, that sounds but fun. I have to say the sound was so bad. Something right. about the sound. It was like really low. I couldn't mm. hear anything. I have never heard the new Bev so quiet. It was like a pin drop because you could, it, the, the music was fine, but the dialogue was like mixed really low. So everyone was just kind of leaning forward, trying to like hear it, everything that they could. It's such a strange object. I mean, you, do you guys know? So on my podcast, I'll just talk about my podcast, I guess. We're just talking about <laughs> Michael Mann. I yeah. love Michael Mann. Yeah. He yeah. makes me so happy. Um, but uh, we did, um, you know, we did a series on him. And so on our Patreon, I played The Keep has a role playing game, like a Dungeons and Dragons style RPG. Uh, oh and God. I like dungeon mastered a keep game with uh, various people. Um, it exists. It's out there. Wow. You guys can, oh you guys can play The Keep <laughs> RPG anytime. If you want. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh my God. I don't even know how that it's would like even detailed. work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like there's like a whole thing you can do, but there's like six kinds of, you know, characters you can be and there's weapons and it's it's very very strange. It's sort of like D&D but with like guns and stuff and uh I don't know. It was it was pretty good. Bless you. There's there's yeah. been a long they've been grinding through it for a number of years. I actually think it went it's charted the pandemic is there's a documentary apparently about the keep and they're trying the, their big thesis is trying to figure out what the hell the special effects were going to look like because the famous story right. is that the the great special the special effects legend that designed their stuff passed away just as they'd finished production and he developed all this kind of black velvet tricks of the light and things like that to do it and everything they did in post-production after he passed away they just couldn't figure out how the hell he was going to make it happen and apparently this documentary is trying to restore it to its full glory and has tried to find different cuts and footage on the cutting room floor and it's been working for years and i've been in touch with the filmmakers a couple of times and we've been chatting sort of privately and i'm just like tell us when this is going to be available because i know that there's some frothy fans out there that are very excited about the work that you're gonna you're gonna come up with where as manheads, we're right up we're right up for it it's so good but it's so funny that it just popped up on criterion like a couple months ago it was like nice i was like oh my god people are going to see this movie in a way that they've never seen it before froth <laughs> I just like froth. I like that word. Frothing. Okay, so, so you're talking about your Michael Mann series on Blank Check. Mm. As our way to get into talking about Miami Vice, like if you were to, you know, rank, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm opposed to ranking culture, but if you were to rank. I love to rank. All of your Michael Mann films. And obviously we also know, we always know Heat is number one. But what's number two? Heat is number one and, where and Miami does... Vice is number two. On wow! My, okay. On my yeah. on my man rankings, yeah, I have it right here. Okay. I unfortunately, Katie, am not opposed <laughs> to ranking culture. I rank everything. I'm a little I'm, freak boy I, can, who's been making lists since he was ten years old, and now I have letterbox to make all the lists, you know, forever can, and ever. Can I just tell you, Sims? One thing I love is listening to your show. I'm like, 
I bet you I just want to get in and see how many spreadsheets Sims has. I just so I want to I want I just know that you are a spreadsheet guy and I'm like oh, just to be a fly on the wall to see how how he catalogs so his just spreadsheets. Just have access oh to the spreadsheet to, to get into the database of Sims laptop one day. Not to look at any personal information. I just want to see the spreadsheets, you know? Like I'm excited. All right, please go go on your rankings. Uh, sorry about the digression. Right. That's so like if someone hacks me whenever I finally get hacked, they'll just like <laughs> throw my nudes in the garbage or whatever. They'll be like, where are his spreadsheets? Like, come on. They're buried in here somewhere. Hathaway is just trying to get into your computer. He's like, where is the Soderbergh ranking? <laughs> that I have to say, uh, that's what makes me crazy about ranking just as a diversion is like, because every time Steven Soderbergh puts a new movie out, everyone on Twitter has to do their Soderbergh ranking. And I'm just like, you sick little freaks have been ranking <laughs> and re-ranking Soderbergh movies for a goddamn decade. And I have never just stop. been watching it all. And, and he makes never three stops. movies a year. So it happens three times I know. a fucking year. It's I'm like, just ugh. like, you sick fucks. Can you please stop? <laughs> wow, Katie, you're mad. I love this so much, this energy. I, this, this is so good. I am mad. I, I need everyone to stop ranking Soderbergh movies for two years, okay? This is Moratorium like, on Soderbergh rankings. A moratorium. I can't stand it. Thanks Not for reminding again. me to update my Soderbergh rankings. I just, I forgot I, I, forgot I hadn't put Magic Mike's Last Dance on there. Oh if God. you tweet it, Sims, I swear to God. <laughs> No, I would never so do that. <laughs> this one's so private. Mad. <laughs> Keep it in the private vault, David. please. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's let's go. Oh, the secret let's, rankings. <laughs> let's 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 unpack some secret rankings. We're in the vault, guys, with Sims. I'm not sure if he did this on his show. I can't remember. I did. I, I mean, certainly was an avid listener of the series, the Michael Mann series, particularly. Really loving stop, the Danny Boyle series. Stop. No, but I'm really oh, loving thanks. your Danny Boyle series, man. Love hearing you guys talk yeah. about Sunshine finally. Fucking movie rules. Yeah. Anyway, good digression. Uh, I love Sunshine. Sunshine's the best. Um, okay, so yeah, we've got number one, one Heat, number two, yeah. Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. Miami Vice is the most important. Well, like when I was like a little, again, a little, you know, twerpy film boy nerd, like 13, 14 years old, um... I do feel like Michael Mann was one of the first auteurs I got like set on yes. by like Empire Magazine, which I was like an avid reader of when I was a teenager. They were, you know, that they were very much like you got to watch all the Mans, which probably at that point ended at like Ali. Like, yeah, Collateral. May I think Collateral is the first Michael Mann movie I saw in the theater. You know, um, as a ticket buyer. No, maybe I saw Ali. Ali might be the first. It's one of those two. Ali was uh, a really funny one because, yeah, Ali <laughs> Ali was a funny one. I, I saw Ali, uh, and I'd already been turned on to Heat, and been a little bit of a manhead kid growing up. But Ali was a funny one because, like, people I think were ex expecting this very rote biopic, and they got what it is, which is this like really politically entangled, kind of like detached, you know, the 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 hyper moments of his life and all that sort of stuff. And I remember it was a really soft audience on like the original viewing of that at the time. And then Collateral was the next one. It was a banger. And so everyone was excited about Man Again, like immediately. Um, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Collateral was sort of 
whatever, a perfect crowd pleaser, or as best as he can make a perfect crowd pleaser. Um, uh, but no, my, my top five, man, if you want them, are Heat, Vice, Insider, Collateral, Thief. Um, yeah. Which That's maybe a puts, killer lineup. Yeah, I think it is. Manhunter 6. I feel like Manhunter is probably the one the people would be the most surprised is out of the top five. But I love Manhunter. I love Mohicans. I, I like pretty much every single Michael Mann movie. Yep. Yep. I mean, The Keep is the only one that I might have mixed feelings about. I'm a huge Public Enemies defender. I love Black Hat. Um, yeah. I'm always, I'm pretty much always pro-man. Public Enemies, I really like to... Uh, glad to hear you say that, Sims. But it's my favorite. There's a rumor story, and I, I don't know the exact source, but there's a story that on set... Michael Mann was having some trouble with one Johnny Depp. Yes, I and know the this story. And the story that I've heard is that, which is one, which is a wonderful story, is that he gets to a point in one of the scenes and he just goes, "Oh, I get it now. You can't act. You, you're, <laughs> just, you, you don't know how to act. You don't know how to act." And then, like, he points <laughs> yeah. to Christian Bale, and Christian Bale's like having a coffee. He can fucking act. He can act. And Christian Bale's like, "Don't be me to this shit." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he can act. You just can't act. And and Depp apparently left yeah. the set for a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, I love that. I'm, in the chaos of that set, they made something pretty special. I think it's one of Depp's best performances. <laughs> it's the, it is it's after like being told he can't act. Performances, yeah. Uh, oh, certainly. So you're his career. Uh, so up. you're okay. uh, watching. You're reading Empire, and they're saying mm. you got to see Michael Mann. Had mm. were you already like? Had you already seen? You know heat or mohicans or were you just like okay i gotta dive into this guy's you know i probably god i mean i probably yeah i probably had seen mohicans i saw heat early i saw the insider pretty soon after it came out because i was always on top of the oscar race as well um and he was that weird kind of crossover genre you know filmmaker guy who the Oscars paid some attention to, not not enough attention, but some. Um, and then Collateral came out, and I loved it, like everybody. And then Miami Vice came out, and I loved it, like nobody. I was the <laughs> only one. Because the other thing is, the, the weird crossover is that I was also a huge, like, obsessive Colin Farrell fan. He was, like, the first actor I felt I had discovered as, like, a young moviegoer. Like, I saw Tigerland when it came out when I was like 14 years old and I was like, I'm all in on this guy. Like he was one of my original <laughs> like guys that I was all in on. And so I was like, I had like stuck with Colin Farrell through thick and thin. Like he had been like, you know, so hyped and then been in sort of an increasing amount of flops and weird films like Alexander and, I was like, no, I'm not giving up on Colin. And so, like, when it was like Michael Mann is making Miami Vice with Colin Farrell, I feel like it, the, the, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Like, the public reaction was mostly like, you know, stop forcing Colin Farrell. Like, he's never going to happen. <laughs> We're sick of Colin Farrell as the movie star. And that performance is so otherworldly and detached from movie stardom in so many ways, and which is why I love it. Like, he looks like he wants to die the whole time. <laughs> Except when he's with Lee. And so I was so like, I was like, this is brilliant. I love this. I love it more than ever. And I love the movie. Uh, I've been on Miami Vice 2006 
you know, like since it came out. Um, and of course, you know, it was largely not not enjoyed by people. Um, but also, so, of course, so Colin, like, Colin Farrell was like, uh, I don't remember making that movie. I was having a nervous <laughs> breakdown. Uh, so when it him. came out and you're like, I love this. This is my guy. This is two of my guys, Michael Mann and Colin Farrell. And then everyone else is like, this stinks. We hate it. Were you like, you all suck. You're idiots. Or were you like, wait, what's going on? Like, what was your reaction? No, to, I like, was the, more the latter. Out of step. <laughs> Um, you know, I had this like twin thing of like, am I too in on Colin? Like, is that and and Michael Mann? Like, am I blinded by my sort of you know whatever support for them? I guess I I don't know how to describe it really. Um, and I still you know I was let's see when it came out I was twenty uh, when this movie came out, and I think there was less of a, an online world, right? I did I I frequented like movie discussion forums or whatever but there was certainly less of like a pulse you could take of like kind of the movie nerd community back then so all i had mm -hmm. were like my friends who were like that thing was unwatchable and so <laughs> confusing and so i was like all right all right all right i won't talk about it with you <laughs> and then like even on the message boards or whatever there would just be a couple people who were like i don't know i mean it was really different like you know there's nothing <laughs> quite like that this year i guess i'll you know i'll give it that and obviously it was a box office bomb. Like, you know, the sort of the industry's reaction to that movie was like, what a catastrophe. You know, everyone was right. being paid too much money. Everyone's stardom and ego was completely out of control. And so it took, I mean, when did, when did people turn around on Miami Vice? Like, or was it just a very slow drum beat? It, this is such a good question. Let's try to pinpoint it right now when I, people I, turned around on Miami Vice. I think it was... If I if I have to say the first like because I remember around this time being on Twitter for the first like I mean if you I, I, if we age ourselves by Twitter I feel sick but anyway um, but <laughs> we're all we're all doing fine we're all we're all uh, but anyway so around 2010 I think Manola and her now former wonderful partner Ao Scott I think did one of their first like best of the decade lists together yeah. like as co-heads of um the new york times film criticism team and <clears throat> manola wrote that bit because i think both um tony scott and manola loved miami vice and so they put it on their yes. like best of the decade list and i think at that time it was online enough that people were like what drugs are manola and tony smoking like this they, they don't know what the hell they're talking about and then there was and then all of us came out of our shell where we're all just like, right. It's uh, our hi, time. we've been here the whole it's time. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right though, because Tony wrote the times review. A.O. Scott. Um, yeah. Tony to his friends and acquaintances and people he might sort of nod to at a screening, which that's, that's the level <laughs> I'm at with Tony. Um, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm pretty low on that uh, rung there, but uh uh, and his review is so good, and I'm sure you guys yeah. have maybe mentioned it in the past, but I love his review of that. Film. Yeah. And Manola put it on her best of 2006 list and called it, I want to find what she called it, a gorgeous shimmering object that made her think more about new technologies like than any other film this year. Um, and she has that incredible line about uh, at the beginning of the film when they're standing on the roof. Oh, no, wait, this is this is Tony's. No, no. Yeah, no, that's Tony's review. Uh, where yeah. they're standing, like Manola said, when they're standing on the roof, 
uh, you can see the whole world because of the digital photography. Like, you know, there's, like, yeah. there's no... And I think about that all the time. So, yeah, th- I guess they were both there. There were critics who were there with it. And there was one other and big so one. And so we were all kind of ready. Yeah. Th- there was one other big international critic who Katie and I have actually had on the show. And we've had the lovely Manola come onto our show. And Sims, we can reveal Manola did show us her best salsa dance while she was on the show. But we will never release the Manola cut of Manola's that footage. Incredible. The Manola cut. She's, uh, <laughs> absolutely She's amazing. She's the best. But, um, but there was one critic, an international critic named Jean-Baptiste Theray who is one of the best international critics. And because I'm in Oz, there's a little indie publication um, that does translations. Uh, uh, It's called Senses of Cinema. It's more like critical writing on cinema. And they took a translation of his big thesis on Miami Vice, which he called The Gravity of the Flux, which is like, and this was only written in like 2006, seven, like it was right at that time. And so he's a huge, he's like a Manola or Tony equivalent in France. And so he was just like, he wrote this piece it's the best movie of the year, sort of like amazing talking about technology, talking about our lives. And, and, and it was kind of at that time. And I read that in senses of cinema. It was like one of the only other positive reviews that you could find. You found Manola's little snippet in right. the best of the year. You found the right. uh, Tony's great review. Tony's and then really, it was, the, yeah. and it was that I think, but yeah, 2010, that was the time. We'll be right back after this quick break. And I joined Twitter in 2009. Yeah. And same, same. So I feel like that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) So we've got the same anniversary. And I feel like that was like when people start, well, no, people were not talking about Miami Vice at that point, but that's when by 2010, we're like on Twitter. Back in the day, all you could do was exactly as you said, Sims, which is like, you'd get your friends over to your house who were like, maybe movie guys. You're like, Hey, did you guys ever check out Miami Vice? And they're like, no. And you're like, great. And you just try and like indoctrinate like three people at a time that this movie fucking rules. Like that's all your job was, was to just get that three people at a time. And you could then, you know, once we had Twitter and things like that, and you could start banging the drum beat. I was like, Miami Vice, I've always like, right from that first moment, loved this movie right there. Loved it immediately. Thought it was the best movie I'd seen. Absolutely. I didn't see it till like 2012. I saw it in grad um, school. Normal. That was the first time I saw yeah, it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You, did you wait, Katie? Did you see it in film school? Like, like yes. was it? A, yeah, a part of whatever you know. A so, syllabus. Yes, I took this amazing class called. Uh, this was at USC in the film sure. studies program, masters, um, with one of my favorite professors, Todd Boyd, the notorious PhD, a nickname he gave himself. <laughs> This man is swagged out beyond control. <laughs> like every time I walked into the classroom, oh, this guy first of all, he's yeah, in every documentary guy. about like, like basketball, you know, he wrote the wood, that movie, the wood, like right. he's in like yeah, every yeah. documentary about like hip hop, whatever, blah. but Tom like, Boyd, he'd if, be you're wearing, like a- if you're listening, come on the show. We need you. I um, asked him nice. to come on the show one time and, and he like it, the scheduling didn't work out. I have to go back to him. He's so fucking cool. He, he would be wearing like a whole like white linen outfit and like have like a Gucci iPad case. Like he's just the best. <laughs> but this class was called 
Reagan's America, parentheses, crack nation. And sure. all we did was read books about Ronald Reagan and then watch movies about drug dealers. And sure. it was such an eye-opening class. It was so, um, like, it was the best class. And he really wants to write a book called How Ronald Reagan Invented Gangster Rap, which was just, you know, how his policies led to all of this, you know, drug blight in, you know, the parts of America where people of color live and that oh, out of those realities, people created this art form. So we Katie. watched like an episode of Miami Vice and we watched uh, 2006 Miami Vice. I, I am looking at the syllabus for this and this looks so good. God, I it would was like such a good class. class. It was such yeah. a good class. Um, I ended up writing my paper on like white girl rappers um which i sort of connected to scarface anyway but because we also watched scarface of course um sure. it was such a crazy class it was very very fun love todd boyd i'm gonna reach out to him again because he is a king um and i would be an honor to have him on um but uh yeah so that was the first time i saw it and i remember we were in the screening room at you know on campus and me and my friends were kind of like laughing being like this movie is hilarious but like kind of awesome but because the dialogue was so is so silly <laughs> but it stuck Good. with me and um yeah and and then i don't know I, i'm sure i tweeted and, and, something at blake and now we have a podcast no, in the middle of the pan, in the middle of the pandemic i think it was like when we're all just really ravenously trying to stay connected with one another because yes. we didn't know what the sh what the hell was going on Katie and I were talking, we, the shows were in flux. And then just one random day, Katie DM me and she's like, if you ever do a podcast about Miami Vice, you better <laughs> yes. fucking do it with me. And I yes. was like, why haven't we already started Katie? Like, and then, uh, and then right. I, and then I made Katie take a photo, which is now an iconic image of our show for Miami nice. And you know, we made art, we just threw it out there to see what people's interests were. And it went absolutely apeshit. And we're like, all right, this is a good idea. We got to do this. And we like announced the podcast didn't have any <laughs> no sort of no clue. like idea of what was going on. But then so many people DM'd me, like, I have to be on this podcast. And I was like, I guess we're doing it. And then we started getting DMs from Colin. And Farrell's assistant and you know just yeah, lots of different really? things like, yeah we've we've had Colin Farrell's assistant who was on the set uh Sims and uh we got some stories we'll tell you offline um we had to delete oh, them from the actual podcast those. yeah we'll, we'll take that's Great. that's that's Miami nice after dark with David Sims um coming <laughs> coming to a non-recording near you please but 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 this is so the problem just... I wish we could get a drink but you guys all live at <laughs> different corners of the earth Oh, it would be I very, know. Would be very know. nice. Would be very nice. We we might can we can we just earmark like can we triangulate Sims? Do you ever get sent to Cannes or something? Could we make Katie? Could you get sent to Cannes? Could we just all meet in Cannes? That feels really right for linen and mojitos to drink it in Cannes in the summer. <laughs> One day I'll go to Cannes. I don't know. Do you go to Tiff, Katie? Why have I never seen you at Tiff? I've gone. I've gone once, but I I don't go regularly. I um I mean my gig like just doesn't care about film festivals, so they're I like know, what yeah. what? But um yeah, I need to I need to figure it out. <laughs> I need to come. figure out I'll going to more festivals. No. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, I'm there. Yay. <laughs> All right, great. So Sims, what are the conditions now? Because I know that obviously writing like you do and being on the clock for for delivering copy to the Atlantic and you're a terrific 
film writer and I love reading your stuff because it's such a different, it feels like a, such a different muscle to your extremely, usually hilarious and bit laden pods. What are the conditions for you to watch Miami Vice now? Because I feel like you're always kind of like planning ahead. You guys have got an amazing and, and rich schedule of stuff and you're so deep in other stuff. Yes. Like, when does it come up for you to watch it? Because Katie and I have the luxury now that we kind of watch, we've got this anchor text that is like such a comfort viewing for both of us. So I find with myself, mm -hmm. like watching lots of stuff for physical media or watching new stuff or watching whatever. And then if I'm like, I don't know what to watch. I know exactly what I need to watch. You know, I just throw Miami yeah. Vice on because it's just so easy and such a nice, but relaxing that's time. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's exactly what it is for me. Um, and uh, it's always had that kind of, I call them bowl of soup movies, like movies yeah. where you just kind of like, you know, I just want to put something on. I want to relax. I want to put on something that I know back to front so I don't even have to worry about it. Yes. Um, and it has always had that status. Now, you know, I got stressed out just listening to you talk, describing my schedule, because, yes, I am constantly besieged <laughs> with movies I have to watch for the podcast and movies I got to watch for my day job and all that, you know. And then, of course, sometimes I'm like, I should, you know, watch, you know, some old movies that I've never seen. I should continue to sort of fill in gaps, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Miami Vice is in like rarefied air for me. My Master and Commander is another one, obviously, a podcast mm. that you guys <laughs> like to cover over at you know the Blake Howard Empire um, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know um, Ponyo is a big one for me I just put mm. on Spotlight the other day and I was like I think oh. this one's in this getting there for me it's really yeah, getting there for me too funny you said that I watched it the other week too I think maybe someone was talking about the Boston Strangler and then uh, because I'm such of a Zodiac head as well I was like I've, wa I've recently watched Zod I've recently watched Zodiac 25 million times so I was like I feel like a similar energy all the presidents I was like I'm gonna dive into Spotlight yeah. again that movie fucking like it Spotlight really is I'm like it's so spotlight is perfect i and like that is another one where it's like let's not be embarrassed folks like let's let's just, <laughs> right and i know that film yeah. one best picture like the spotlight's reputation is not particularly <laughs> in danger and yet i still feel like it's maybe underrated as cinema because yeah. in the film is, twitter know. world they don't appreciate spotlight um, i agree and obviously that's you know <laughs> worlds within worlds but i agree Right. Why? Um, I don't what's know. That? What's Who knows their, why what's these people what's are their the way issue? they are. What's their issue? What's... Don't ask me to die. I don't know. What, what did it beat that year? <laughs> I, I don't know. But like, <laughs> I, I would just say that. I we, beat uh, Mad we... Max, which is a good movie. I can't deny. Oh. Yeah. 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 Well, very good. Agreed. Well, it's so but funny. It really, I just beat, re it really I... beat The Revenant, if you want me to get nerdy about it. Like, Mad Max yes, is not yeah. going to win Best Picture. The Revenant was the actual, you know, front runner, and it beat that whatever the revenant whatever it's funny yeah. i was i was uh you know thinking about the oscars a little diversion you know you know we're thinking about how tar didn't win any oscars and sure. all these movies went you know un un oscared but then i was just watching the talented mr ripley on the plane another masterpiece uh, and, and, and uh, another throw it on just throw it on every scene is throw good. it on just and great vibes and just uh, so many you know wonderful performances energy setting but also um, everyone in there it also didn't it didn't so hot i was just right. gonna say oh okay. were you gonna say that just, yeah no, absolutely <laughs> i was like speaking to this specific cohort it's like they were all really fucking hot in that movie oh my god 
Golly insanely goodness. hot. I mean, I'm literally starting a cult dedicated <laughs> to the little curl on Jude Law's <laughs> forehead. Um, but uh, it didn't win any Oscars. There are a lot of masterpieces that never won any Oscars. So hate. that's not our arbiter of taste. My, my th- hate, zero, zero wins, zero noms. And uh, wow, the, the great, the great writer and uh, for Variety, Chris Tapley, Oscar prognosticator extraordinaire, said Blake, yep. it's uh, it's unsullied. That's what we call it. it's unsullied by Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I'm like, I fucking I love that. It's unsullied, no noms, <laughs> and it's still like the movie that most Oscar winners cite as a huge inspiration and influence. It's like, yep, that's that's what we call it. it's unsullied. Um, totally. Also, uh, so, leave, Sh- leave Schreiber in spotlight, by the way. Maybe best performance of his entire career. Fucking completely underrated. Absolutely. Marty, as Marty Baron. Amazing. Right. Yeah. So you just. So when it- you're throwing on Miami Vice, like, what what are you connecting with? Like, what are you? What scene makes you stop and go, wait, I have to watch this whole thing? Um, it's all the Gong Lee stuff. That's like my absolute top stuff. Uh, I love everything in this movie. I love the way it throws you in in the middle of the action and you have absolutely no idea what's going on and you know everyone's talking like a weird robot and i love all that shit that (laughs) stuff just like completely gets me hard like immediately (laughs) if that's happening in any movie ever basically um and i you know it's such a strange but no it's like i think and i'm sure you guys have talked about this and i feel like you talked about it with manola i can't remember but uh like i think the romance in this movie is the most surprising swerve the movie gives you in that there's so much of it and that it is such an idiosyncratic romantic dynamic like every part of it like obviously you know undercover cop falls in love with his you know mark that's that's a tale as old as time or whatever but just like this this sort of instant connection these two have even though they sometimes seem like they're like existing in different universes at the same time but that's sort of part of the magic so all those scenes, you know, the the going of Cuba, just yeah, know, staring at each other, wearing linen, you know, <laughs> God. Uh, is probably the stuff it's I like the most. But I love everything in this movie. You know, I love uh, Jamie Foxx saying, you know, talk, going on about skyscrapers, and you know, I, 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 there's like, it's one of those things where like I, every scene is special to me at this point, so I can't, I can't turn it off. But sorry, Katie, talk. Jamie Jamie Fox just like saying acronyms is <laughs> AWAX. Perfect. AWAX. <laughs> I still don't even know what but it I'll... means. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. I love it. I've said AWAX so many times. And you know what? You don't have to know what it means. No, and that's the beauty of it. Listen, um, here's a fun game. But... If you don't know where you're going and you're on like Google Maps, you know, and you're just like in the middle of the car and it's giving you directions, just start saying words like AWAX. It really makes the journey better. A <laughs> wax, sophisticated counter intel. Google, get me the fuck yes, out of here. Exactly, it does make it more fun. Um, I think one thing. I mean, we have talked about the romance a lot, but I think one thing we haven't really like. I love Gong Li's performance in the way that she's kind of so. At the beginning, she's so reserved and yes. not. Um, she's so reserved mysterious. and feel. Yeah, it feels like you're like, okay, I understand this archetype, the like sort of frightening, you know, Asian dragon lady. Okay, you know, like, you know, it seems hacky initially, like she's got sunglasses on. She's not really going to talk much. Uh, And then then she is, as I assume you're about to say, Katie, like so 
intimate and revealing and kind of like sort of sensual with uh, Sonny and Private. Um, yeah, I, I just guess. like the difference yeah. between how we're introduced to her versus how, who we understand her to be. I think like yes. that um, is and kind of the magic of it, of the that arc, that character arc. And then that's that's the magic, that beautiful scene is like, you first see Dragon Lady, very closed off, very cold. And then you see this little dalliance to Cuba, which is such a beautiful oasis in the middle of the movie. And then the next time you see her, which is even more fantastic, is she comes out of the airplane before she gets into the car with a little bit of audio slave playing, as we have want to do in this movie. And she comes down uh -huh. and you're like, and you're like, and you're like, oh, she's there's the dragon lady, but you know that like underneath the dragon lady is this very sensual woman. And so that scene just like pulses with another level of electricity because you're like, oh my God, there's a fusion of these two different versions of this character that we've seen and we get to see them sort of come out together. And um, I don't, I know, knowing how busy you are, Sims, I don't blame you for having not heard, but the great thing about talking to um, Yafet, who was Colin's um, assistant on set, is that he said when they were getting to know each other, they would just go to a VIP section in a nightclub and laze about on the lounges and stare at each other and hold each other and drink wine. That's, uh, and just fall in love. <laughs> that was their, their <laughs> preparation yeah <laughs> they would just Dan like and gongli couldn't even speak english they would just like lounge on a couch right. and and fall in love with it just stare into each other's eyes and it, it's like a phonetic performance <laughs> yeah right? like, yes yeah you know i mean i mean i swear to god i know colin was like out of his gourd while he made this movie and like <laughs> But can you just imagine the, the shenanigans those two got up to? Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> yes, we can. Um, and we yeah. will. We, have, we will write fan fiction about it, and we do we on this podcast. Yes. Um, I, it's I just, so, it's so if weird. someone said, describe your perfect day, I'm like, I don't know lazing on a lounge with Gong Li falling in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's enough Isn't for it, me. Obviously, look, this movie has action and stressful situations and violence and so on and so forth. But isn't it funny how when you read about the production of this movie, you know, it's like, oh my God, it was a nightmare. The whole thing almost fell apart half a dozen times. Colin Farrell uh, checked into rehab when it was done like it was so insane and then you watch the movie and you're like this is like the chillest summer blockbuster <laughs> i've ever seen like everyone is cool as fuck no one yells everything is all you know like sort of like michael man 401 level dialogue you know right where it's like it's sort of beyond <laughs> abstraction and like that that is how i felt at the time the 20 year old david seeing this at the Odeon, the holloway Odeon, which is where i saw it uh, in London, like, uh, which I remember very well. So with my brother, uh, I was just like, how the, f how did they fucking get this into theaters? Like <laughs> as a summer blockbuster, <laughs> it really felt like, a, you know, whatever, like, a, a, like it had been smuggled in, like that yes. everyone was sitting down being like, Oh, Miami vice. Great. You know, doo -doo 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 -doo. it'll be like that. <laughs> it'll be like the show. Right. Like what was, I now I, I want to, I mean, we, Go ahead. Go ahead. I think everyone thought it was going to be like neon and pastel and, and yeah, exactly. Sort of the stereotype of what Miami Vice is, which Charlie's Angels as it we, was going to be Starsky and Hutch. That's and and it was not. It was. And it was just like ambient, <laughs> ambient uh, 
you know, abstraction, uh, vibes, eroticism, um, you know, just like, let's look at this big fucking cloud for a, for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Looking out at the water. Good cloud action. <laughs> but, really uh, good cloud. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. And, and as we've come to find out, like that stereotype of what Miami Vice, the TV show is, actually has like informed what Miami became because Miami was like, oh, we want to be what people think the TV show is. So that's why it, it sort of styled itself after the show, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and then we had someone on who who's from Miami who was saying that like when the movie came out, everyone was like, wait, what? is this like there's <laughs> is this, this is trailer us? parks and like Aryan brotherhood and like, <laughs> you know, we, are, are you sure? Like that? It, no, John Johnson, no blazers. Well, I guess there's a, a blazer or two in this movie, but yeah. um, it's really made, I think it really made people question like what a summer blockbuster was, as you say, and also like what Miami, what, what's the image of Miami that we have now. So I'm it just, I think, make, gave everyone an existential crisis. <laughs> I'm, I also want to thank David. He might not even realize this, but I'm sure that on a couple of like streamers in Australia, they are Blankies fans. And my friend Alexi, sure. who I do uh, a great physical media podcast with, uh, Imprint Companion, Lex has a show called Total Reboot. And I'm sure that there are listeners of both Blank Check and that. And one of the reasons is because whenever I just randomly know, like I've listened, the week comes. The new series is out. I listen to the show. And then miraculously on like a local Aussie streamer, the movie that you guys are talking about, it suddenly is on the featured page. It's on the front. It's front loaded. Netflix is starting to do it too a little bit. Like I think they must have, uh, maybe it's my algorithm or whatever, but it like detects what I'm watching. And I think that all this stuff that we're talking about, like being able to go back and have the vibe is like the thing that I think that is making this movie stand out even more every year and making the vintage just age so much better is because when you put it in contrast with just the schlock that we're delivered as this is a blockbuster or this is an action film and this is the boundaries that we're working with, they're all glorified kind of like terrible TV movie level quality things. And then you drop Blackout on Netflix and it's number one for like nine weeks in a row for some Absolutely. weird reason. It's like, it's like, oh, this has something different. It's it's aim it's 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 aspirations are astronomical compared to just the schlock that you delivered. And that's why I think also is helping cure it almost like of these movies. It's just like they come out and when you compare them with what you're receiving right now, you're just like this isn't even the same planet like guys it's not even on the same level and and, and you you get that completely different experience it's a good movie do you think in 20 years people are going to be like oh my god red notice they don't make movies like this anymore oh and, and that's when Jesus. we'll all retire that means it's over uh no just, no i think they will the devil's advocate the red notice no. reclamation is not what uh, uh, that's when i've long when off. they're like I'm actually done. the gray man is really good i'm gonna on. i'm gonna fight those people you're so mad you're so mad right oh now God. Seething. I, Red I, Notice I, is the I, worst that's... fucking movie i've ever seen in my life i actually asked a friend to come over red notice I, I is to, horrible i had to I had to file a review for it. And I was like, hey, do you want to come over and check this movie out with me? And we're watching it. And, and he's a very pa like passive film viewer. Doesn't watch a lot of flicks. I was like, I'll just watch it. And 
I was so mad that I like base. It was like a running commentary of my like inner monologue was just coming out of my face while I was watching that movie. Like they're not even in the same fucking room. I don't even think. I don't think they're in the same room. I, I just was that like, couldn't, couldn't stop myself. I couldn't watch it like a human being because it was so ghastly. And the Gray Man is awful as well. A two three hundred certain- million dollar awfulness. There are movies that I'm like, that I kind of liked from, like, like okay. I kind of liked Spiderhead last year, the Kaczynski movie on Netflix that I yeah. watched. Yeah, pretty fun. Like yeah. Spiderhead. Like okay, Spider-Head I liked it. Right? Yeah. And I feel time. like two or three years from now, there's going to be a lot of people being like, you know, it's like kind of low-key good. No one talks about Spiderhead. Like, I think that'll happen. Like, there's movies like that yeah. that just kind of, for whatever reason, didn't stick because of when they came out or whatever you know that like we'll get yeah. some traction not fucking red notice no one's ever going to think about red notice again <laughs> i know i'm just imagining like i'm i'm just you know gaming out a scenario I, uh i don't think that's actually going to happen but what if it does I happen i don't what, what's that line i don't want to live in this something world weird <laughs> i don't want to yeah, live right. in this world yeah. <laughs> i'm good if red notice gets reclaimed we're all done um it's it's it could happen <laughs> based on the, some of the discourse and the takes that people pop off oh my um God. oh my goodness i know um, so sims now after your uh like you guys had your man series and things like that and do you yeah um and i wonder this about your series in particular because you have to get so immersed in different filmmakers do you kind of give yourself some air after you've like all right, we've done a Kubrick series yeah. and I'm just like, I'm tired and I need to kind of, you know, get that out. It, it, I wonder then, you know, you do your man series and you get a chance to really wax lyrical about your love of this movie and talk about your whole situation and then bounce the ideas off of the other guests and the folks that you're talking to. But when does it like, is it, when does it come back in the rotation? And I, I would imagine Miami Vice is the one that just more repeatedly comes back in the rotation. Yeah, Miami Vice and I guess Heat. I mean, heat's yeah. always there, but no, yeah, yeah. With any of these things, right? You get, you get a little saturated. You maybe give them a few months off, but man is right at the top for me of those guys that I kind of always like to watch his movies. So he's never really that far yeah. away. You know, he's not far. And also, it's been so long since he made a movie, so I kind of have to go back to his old stuff. You know, I'm very excited for Ferrari this year. Same. We Same. don't even have a release date yet. Yeah. I know, I know, because STX I, is in trouble. I, we I, hate I, STX. I, someone in Australia got a really crazy, frantic phone call from me because they accidentally put the wrong release date on a uh, on a Ferrari press release that said it was coming out March 25th, which is actually today in Australia as we're talking. And I rang them like immediately, and I've never ring the press release number. And I was like. Are you saying that Ferrari's coming out in March? Are you, like in Australia, is that why we're getting it? Because I know it's an SDX international production. They're in trouble. And they're like, oh, no, I'm really sorry. That's uh, We accidentally put the wrong date on that. It's actually later this year. It's undated right now. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just be depressed for another six months until you guys oh, finally I think not. No, it's not coming out early. I called them, Katie, because of our, our conversation that they said it was coming out in March. And I was like, oh, my God. And then that... No screenings came out. Nothing came out. So I was tenaciously hounding them. Um, did my best. Uh, did my best. Woodward um, from all the president's men just calling around, trying to figure out what was going on with this release in Australia. Um. Yeah. I mean, 
I think we'll get it this fall. It's just, I guess it's also that, like, he reemerged, right? Like, there was Tokyo Vice, obviously, but also just the book and him doing interviews and him doing Q&As. Like, I just feel like there was more of Michael Mann all of a sudden. And, you know, I started hearing more stories of Michael Mann sort of weighing in, like, you know, at dinners. They're like, oh, I like this movie. I didn't. And I was just like, I need him back. He's so <laughs> important to me. And I just want him back. Yeah. Yeah, I just want him back. And he's not young, you know. I don't no. think he's morbid, but he's 80 years old. Like, come on. Don't well, if you, if we you just need heat, too. We just need heat, too. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. We're ready. Do We're you ready have any heat. thoughts on the casting rumors? <laughs> the on heat, too, casting rumors. So, so it's Adam Driver and Austin Butler. And what is the idea here that... That, what is the idea here? That it, like this driver supposed driver Adam Driver is eighteen feet taller than Al Pacino. Like that's crazy. Is that that surely well, isn't the idea? I, right? I He's think, young I, De Niro. I think I, I th no, no. I think I know what's happening here. Okay. I I think Driver is going to play the villain. Okay. You you've been saying this for a while. You I, want Driver to fun. play Otis Wardell. Yeah, I want him to play sure. Otis Wardell because he's. I've always found him to be. I, I just found him reading the book. I know it's a weird thing to say, but my mind's eye was like, he's big. He's just, he was big and intimidating and daunting. And I'm like, I feel like he's that. We've always had a soft spot for the potential of either a Glenn Powell slash Austin Butler to play uh, Chris Hellas, like young Chris. Val Kilmer. Um, so I assume Austin Butler is Chris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Katie and I have heard on the grapevine, and think of this what We you have will. both heard from reliable separate, sources separate and reliable separate yeah. reliable sources that it is with big that Austin Butler is oh yeah Austin uh, Butler is not oh. there yeah is it's not. not we've heard from that so we don't we we there's no Austin Butler but we've also heard one thing which is it's with the biggest movie stars in the world right now yeah that i believe and, that and, i believe yeah. and so today our friend Connor O'Donnell um, from the film stage tweeted I think that the Heat 2 should be a new world reunion and uh, put a picture of Christian Bale and Colin Farrell together. And he goes, I don't care which one of them plays either, but I uh, get these guys playing. And I'm like, I've always thought that Christian Bale would do a mean Al Pacino. And I would really think that Colin Farrell could do a mean De Niro. It would be super yes, fun. Yes. I would be down. I'm like, and that and makes And they've sense. both worked with man before. Both worked with man, both massive actors. I'm like, that actually seems like, that's one, well, that's one like hypothetical. I'm like, it actually makes sense. Because, you know, this but talk like of... Jerry Butler. It's not happening, guys. I'm really sorry to tell you. Wait, who said Jerry Butler? No, that's nonsense. That's uh, no, no, nonsense. like, no, no. <laughs> who oh, said sorry. that? No, it's like, it's like, it's just people talking about all these like random folk that I just keep seeing pop up and like, oh, Pacino's going to oh. play himself. Like, stop it. Just stop, guys. Well, the thing about the Pacino that's driving me crazy, and it's, these are on websites that are known to literally just make up stuff, but, um, they keep saying, oh, flashbacks. And I'm like, you haven't read the book. It is a prequel and a sequel. There is no 1995 part except for the prologue. So, like, why would Al Pacino at 80 years old be in this movie? There's yeah, why no would he, why reason. Would, why it doesn't make sense. Why would 80 years old play 36 and then, like, 55? Like, why, right. would, he, why right. would he play that? It the, just doesn't make any sense. The age stuff concerns me just in general, just nailing everyone's ages, but... It, that it could, know, it's it's literally an impossible puzzle to to, to solve so to the whatever. point where I think they should cast different casts for eighty seven and two thousand. But I don't know. 
Um, um yeah. But, yeah, I, anyway, the rumors are insane, but at least it's getting right. people talking about it. I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, look, everything I've ever heard about Michael Mann is that he really likes, you know, the most top of the line actors possible. And I've yeah. even heard him deriding actors privately that I I'll tell you guys when we're done. <laughs> uh, like that where I'm like that guy's a good actor that's crazy and apparently Michael Mann was like eh, you know like like he really wants whatever the cream of the crop and so and I assume if he's gonna do heat too he will demand it and also that's how you right. get a movie made right you know like that's yeah. how that's how you get exactly right. if, if you well, go and if you go to someone like and this is I know this is like a bit of left field but it's like everyone has always talked about uh DiCaprio being like a De Niro, a, like a, a successor to De Niro or something like that. Can you imagine just having the names? Like if you're like right. Christian Bale, Leonardo DiCaprio, like if you, you, right. you, that's going to get a m multiple hundred million dollar movie of this scale. And in his way of making movies, not like, you know, shooting Ryan Reynolds and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in two different countries and then pacing them together digitally to make a movie. Like that's not what's going to happen here. It is going to be a big spectacle of a thing that we're going to see a period LA and international globe trotting movie. Like it's, it's going to be completely different to anything that um, it's going to be more like Miami vice. That's what's going to fucking look like. We're going to be excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, look, Sims, it's so great to have a lovely digressing and relaxing conversation with you. And I just want to say a huge thank you for being a part of one of our shows. Again, I, it's, it's a complete treat talking to you. I hope I vibed well enough. Yeah, this and is. You were a great vibe. vibe. Just vibes. <laughs> Just I'm all vibes at this point. That's all. Which AKA fumes. <laughs> he's that's running on. He's right running now. on. He's running on vibes. AKA fumes. Um. So no, that's absolutely fantastic to have you. And look, thank you so much for making the time in in amongst your craziness. And obviously, you guys have got March Madness over at Blankies right now. So choosing new series yeah. or letting your fans choose them for you, which is amazing, and lots of um hot matchups there. And I do wish that. Uh, I do wish that you get a weird matchup uh, finally. Um, I'm always the guy that's hunting, uh, hunting for the the votes to see who gets picked. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Katie, was there anything else you want to say to our, your lovely friend, Dave, before we uh, wrap up? Oh, no, just thank offline? you so much. Uh, I'm so glad you joined us on the boat ride. The boat ride of vibes. Katie, That's what this come is. Come back to New York. Let's get lunch. Come on. I know you were just here for like a hot second. I know. I was here for a hot second and I was, I, I couldn't, I, I was there I for my friend's you were, birthday. You were, so you I was were doing scheduled. Your thing. I, yeah. yeah. I know. I, we got to do it. Okay. We'll do it. Uh, uh, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Love, love to do it. Love, love to talk. You know, and it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then, he might not have succeeded. It's incredible because, like, if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch. <laughs> Not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark. A uh, year of living dangerously, uh, you know. And then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a 
down ending, and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that, and something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like, I don't think it's actually possible to make an, they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia's ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far, but I, I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way, and we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't bigger name why he isn't more in that rarefied air yes. because i think film for film he's one of our very best filmmakers he has brought his a game repeatedly to <laughs> many properties there are films of his that i hold very dear fearless uh you know uh, the mosquito coast i will fight somebody if they talk bad about the mosquito coast it's man i love that movie but in general i just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master and Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's, uh, easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003 when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That, that's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything. And God bless you. But Master Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things. Again, I, I am not, uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.